Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Greetings, everyone. How's the energy? How are you feeling? Check in. Ooh, wait. <laughs> yeah. The whole podcast, we just actually, we encourage you to check in for the entire podcast. But it is... It's a nice reminder. A nice reminder. Even when we do with our, within our membership, when we are with the community, it's so nice to be like, when at the end of the day, especially we're doing them on Zoom now, we'll be meeting in person, which is really beautiful. But that reminder of like, oh, you have a body here. Because mm-hmm. we're so in our head. Yeah. We're so looking at the screen. We're so in the mind that when we're reminded for that moment, like, how are you doing? Yes. How's your body? What's going on? Just kind of getting out of that unconscious mind mode is so powerful. Yes. And it's um, something that you can do whether on your own or even with people. Sometimes it's nice if you are with someone, maybe you're like meeting a friend or you're like coming home to your husband or your wife at the end of the day or your partner. It's being able to have a moment to like breathe together and be like, how are you doing? How's your heart? It sounds a little cheesy, but it's like those moments I find that there's like more intimacy to be had mm-hmm. and you can really feel someone and where they're at. Mm-hmm. And pull them out of the work mode. Yes. You know, it's funny as like that old adage around when the man comes home, to the woman. You have Mm -hmm. to like let him be. But there is kind of a truth to that when you're transitioning out of your doer mentality into more of the personal, you have to have that moment. Like, wow, I'm going to be moving from my head to my body and my heart. You know, the goal is to be in the, the heart at all times, which we can do at some point in our ascension process. But to have the encouragement of that is nice. Yeah. It's fun to break the energy with like play. Yes. Sean could be, he's a cap rising. He's very like work focused, but like it's nice to kind of break him out of that spell at the end of the day where yes. I'm like, hey man. And it's just so fun. And he's like, oh yeah, I forgot. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Forgot what it's about. It's the best. I'm excited about your solo today. Oh yeah. I feel like this has been a, a good one. A, a conversation around empaths and just mm. something that you've been exploring. And it's been really great to bring the community in on this conversation because I feel like a lot people in our community identify as Mm -hmm. sensitive. Yeah. It's kind of been like a through line of a lot of the work that we do and a lot of the conversations with our community, but I've never actually brought it to an episode Mm -hmm. or to a solo or even to our conversations around being an empath and around being a highly sensitive person. There's so many people that identify as an empath, that identify as a highly sensitive person. So I really wanted to explore that concept and idea and really talk about the gifts that it comes with and really reclaim a lot of our power. And I paused because there's been this journey for me of being an empath or highly sensitive person where I've sort of been resistant to it because there's a powerlessness that sometimes I feel like is attached to the empath, where an empath is sort of someone that just receives all the energy. You know, the way that we sort of socialize or talk about the empath is like, I'm an empath. Weak. And yeah, weak. And you're just, I'm an empath and it's feeling, but yeah, it's not, it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. but it's not nice. It's suffocated. It's out of control. It's victim. And I don't really like that. So most of my life, I've sort of moved away from the term mm-hmm. empath, moved away from the term highly sensitive person. But as I've sort of seen the light side of it away from the shadow side, I've really been able to like understand the ways in which I am an empath mm-hmm. and reclaim that. And I think it's also really important. And I talk about this in the episode is working with the nervous system around being an empath. Because what is really happening a lot of times with 
being an empath outside of the auric field, outside of the energetics is really in the body and in the nervous system where you're not able to self-soothe or manage your own nervous system around big energies, around a lot of energies, around of other people, around any type of other energy outside of your own. So when we're able to have nervous system regulation by ourselves, that's when we really, really can take our power back. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The I don't know if I was aware of my nervous system until a couple years ago. Same. What do you mean? <laughs> oh my God. 100%. I'm like, why am I shaking and nauseous? Yeah. In like an uncomfortable situation or like yeah. just the whole physical reaction to your very emotion, body. very body. It's mm-hmm. like, it can be overwhelming at times. And, you know, I've learned kind of more self-soothing techniques, but even more so just connection to that part so that we can mm. communicate and I can understand in the moment what's really happening and also what what I need in that moment. Because sometimes it feels a little embarrassing or shameful to be like, I'm having such a physical reaction to what's happening right now and I actually feel like I can't control it. So it's you know, for me, it's been, you know, asking for a moment, asking Mm -hmm. for space, whether it's like take a walk around the block or I just go in the other room and take a few deep breaths. It's knowing what you need in that moment. It's knowing the tools that help you to move from an activated nervous system to more of a conscious awareness of what's happening. And then it's being able to communicate from that place too. It's being able to communicate with language that is empowering that is taking ownership of uh, what's happening within your body, but then also inviting, whether it is with another person, sometimes it can be an environment, but if it's with another person, it's inviting that conversation with the goal of understanding one another a little bit better and understanding the energetics of what's happening. Because so often it's unconscious. So often these like loops and like scenes that we find ourselves in are patterns and unconscious patterns. And so, yeah, it's been really about speaking to it for me where I'm like, oh, this is a moment where I'm feeling really activated. I'm actually like my heart's racing a little bit, you know, as we're talking about this. I think it's because I'm afraid that, you know, I'm mm-hmm. filling in the blank. Yeah. And there's such a beauty and power to the empath. And I really had to have my own journey with understanding and recognizing my own beauty and power as an empath. Because, you know, when I talked about before the disempowered part of the empath, I think that was where I was in the unconscious empath, which I've talked about on the podcast before, you know, being someone who's an unconsciously taking on other energies, codependent, enmeshed, all these things. But I also was like very much subconsciously processing people's emotions for them Mm -hmm. or very much in response and feeling people's emotions. But I was doing it unconsciously. So that made me dislike it. Mm-hmm. You know, being a feeler made me dislike it because a lot of times I was feeling too much or I was feeling other people's feelings or I was felt like, I don't know, I didn't like that the situations I was in and the people that I was around were really not bringing me to a place of feeling really good things or experiencing really good things. And I'll never forget when I moved to New York City, or even, you know, there were times in college when I was becoming more conscious, but I had a friend, Adam, who was incredibly positive. You've met him. He's mm-hmm. so kind. And I remember I would leave hanging out with him and I'm like, I feel high. Mm-hmm. Like I feel incredibly, my energy feels so different. And I was like, wow, this is really beautiful that we had this energy exchange and I feel completely different. Like my energy 
feels completely different. So there's this beautiful light side mm-hmm. of being around people that are positive and uplifting and have an energy signature that you want. And obviously, you know, we don't want to siphon people's energy. We don't want to be like drinking people's energy, but we are affecting each other at all times. Yep. So even if you think you're deeply empathetic or not, we all are empaths in a certain way. We are all feeling energy. We're all energetic beings. We're all absorbing energy and impacted by energy. We can feel it all the time. Oftentimes people say, that's a good vibe or they've got good vibes or you go into a place, you feel good. You might feel uplifted. You might feel sad. There's a lot of different feelings we can experience in places. And this really is us feeling into the energetics of things. One of the powers of the empath will be a lot of the power that's going to change the world. You know, our ability to be in our heart, our ability to regulate our own feelings and emotions, but our ability to really feel from the heart center Mm -hmm. for a lot of the collective is a lot of the power that we have. And there's a lot of very unique specific gifts that I think come with being an empath. And I oftentimes think that most empaths are usually the star seeds or the wanderers. So from a law of one perspective, they call star seeds or beings that are, you know, came to earth to help our ascension process wanderers. And I think that's where I really also was able to take on the power of the empath where I'm like, oh, this is a part of my unique fabric and my star seed nature to be an empath Mm -hmm. because this is how I'm going to serve is by feeling, by processing and by uplifting essentially all of the emotions and experiences that I go through. Yeah. And feeling has been such a big part of activating my intuitive gifts Mm -hmm. where like before I was like, this is actually too much. I don't really want to feel this. And I'm just going to kind of on the surface, soothe myself so we can get through this feeling. But it's actually been important to not necessarily understand on an intellectual level, the feeling that I'm having, but more so actually feel it fully in my body and know that that is safe, know that I can hold it and know that it's not forever. Yes. Yeah. And I also want to empower people to be mindful of themselves in their environment more often, Mm -hmm. even if they're an empath or not. You know, if you're in a busy city all the time, if you're in a cubicle at work and no one likes their job, if you're in school and it feels toxic, if you're in a toxic relationship, if you're around people with addiction, you're around someone that secretly hates you, if you're around, you know, all these different Mm -hmm. things, if you're in, a home that you know has had maybe the land was stolen from the native people mm-hmm. there's a lot of different energetics in our world yeah. that can really impact you you know at home on the road when you travel with who you're around so how can you really be more mindful of that and pull apart what's yours and what's not yes yeah, it's very important. It's huge too so it's like the unblending and i think that's something that i work on too is unblending myself from any thing else. Mm -hmm. And that helps us to get to know the real you, the real me, the real true essence of you is only really discovered and known once you are able to unblend from everything else. I had a thought the other day where I was like, is everyone an empath, but some people just shut it off? Mm -hmm. We were talking about someone and I think they like were like, yeah, I don't really feel that. I don't really. Mm -hmm. And I think that everyone has the ability to, or has an empath, like is an empath, but they've either done a really good job of just kind of shutting that off. I don't know. I know. I'm just like, I'm kind of like noodling on that because we say like, if you identify as an empath, 
But I'm like, doesn't everyone have a little, I don't know. I think from, this is what I think is like from a galactic perspective, I think there's a lot of different beings and entities that exist Mm -hmm. that have a lot of different things in their DNA. So I do think that there are some beings that are like very Palladian, who are very hard, who are very, you know, Arcturian, very, you know, all these things. And I do think that there's some beings that are here that are just very, almost like computers a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like, I don't know. There's just some people that just process things very simply. Yes. You know, very. Which is, which is kind of beautiful in itself. Incredible. Where it's kind of like a. Whether they're kind of need that baseline. That um, yes. nice foundational grounded baseline. Yes. A hundred percent. We'll feel for you. Yeah. A hundred percent. We got you, fam. So if you are a feeler, this one's for you. If you have friends that are feelers. This one's for them. So I highly suggest sending this to someone to help them take their power back. Send this to a friend, a family member. It is one that I think will be incredibly helpful for all of us Mm -hmm. emotional beings on this earth that are here for the ascension process. I did another episode on empathy and the unconscious empath. So an empath that is really being taken by the waves of emotions of life and really unconsciously processing a lot of people's emotions, really not in their power as an empath. So you can also listen to that one. And I suggest going to almost30.com for our courses and programs for our membership. We have our membership option where you can get access to our workshops and our downloadable every single month. That is a monthly payment, which is really exciting that we added that option for people that want to dig into the content on a monthly basis. And we have Morning Microdose. So Morning Microdose is our podcast that has daily inspiration, insights, and basically the best of the best from the show in under 10 minutes. Yeah, we really wanted to support you in starting your day in a way that was conscious and present and really primed you for all the possibilities ahead. Because if you're anything like me, sometimes I get wrapped in a dirty scroll on Instagram or like, I don't watch the news, but just any... Any yeah. simulation that's a little, ooh. Yeah, I'm with my babies. Yeah, you're with the babies. I hang out with my cats <laughs> in the hallway. <laughs> that's so, our trip. It's so hilarious. So we're excited to just take you on a little journey in the morning to set you up for a great day. That's Morning Microdose. Subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. We appreciate your listenership so much. We're very grateful to have you as a part of our community. We hope you enjoy this solo from Krista, and we will see you on the other side. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Hello, and welcome to a solo episode with me, Krista, and we're going to be talking about empathy, being an empath, but not in the way that you think. I did a previous episode all on the traits of being an empath, what it's like to be an empath, how you know you're an empath, common trends of the empath, and how important it is that empaths reclaim our power so that we can just bless the world with all of our gifts. But this one, I want to talk about something else that's a little different that I've definitely experienced in my life, and that is unconscious empathy. So being an unconscious empath. And I've noticed in time in my life that there's such a skill of having empathy, of being able to hold space and being there for someone. But then there is that fine line between that skilled empathy and that really unconscious empathy. To be honest, for a lot of my life, my worth was in unconscious empathy. I would completely energy match with everyone. I was like the ultimate Pisces empath. And I thought, It was my worth and I thought it was my job to meet people exactly where they are and be in their energy and really 
the way that I felt like I served best was through unconscious empathy. And so this can talk about codependency. This talks about enmeshment. And I really want to just kind of pull it apart. And the reason why I think this conversation is so important, because I know there's so many amazing feelers in our community. I know there are so many amazing empaths that exist in my life. And the empath is so important. The gifts that the empath has and have are so, so important. And it's so needed in this world today. And we feelers can get really, really lost among other people's emotions, other people's feelings, among the media, among our trauma, our wounding, and it can be really confusing and we can really, really lose our power. And that oftentimes is what it is in life that our greatest power and opportunity is often the greatest shadow for us as well. So we can lose that beautiful power we have to feel in the ways that we're going to enmesh or become codependent or really give away our power because we're energy matching or what have you. So in this, I really want to talk about the difference between caring and codependency and really the importance of healing these patterns of codependency or enmeshments because it's such a gift in our life to really be able to pull apart our unique energetic expression and essence from everyone else's and to be able to experience the beauty of our own energy For me, for so long, I would experience my energy and my essence in moments, but oftentimes I would feel like, who am I? (laughs) My energy is everywhere. I don't know who I am, how I feel, what's going on. And I would especially notice this when I would be in conversations with people more so in intimate settings. And we'd be talking and I'd be doing my thing, which is ask everyone questions about their life because I'm deeply interested in people. I'm deeply interested in people and I love to listen. I love to learn. I just find people and especially people in my life so fascinating. But when it would come to me and they'd be like, so how are you? And I'd be like, who's me? (laughs) I'd be honest to God, would look around and feel like I got caught doing something. I'm like, who are they talking to? Who's me? And I would have to remember like, babe, you are here. Like your body is here. I don't know where you are, but there's a body that's here that they're talking to. And I would have to realize, wow, I am really, sometimes I'm channeling to be honest. So sometimes I'm kind of lost in that moment and I'm getting better about understanding that. But I would just be so much in the experience of someone else and so much in support of their expression and their emotion and so much being there for and being there for them and attuning to them that I would lose myself and I would lose who I was and I would lose my own opinion, my own expression, my own energy. And I want to be able to keep that. I want you all to be able to keep that. So I would suggest before we get into this to listen to the previous episode I did on empathy and on understanding the gifts, the traits, some unique characteristics of it. You can really find out in ways if you are an empath by listening to that episode. I really want to just open it up, which I think I've mentioned. This is a conversation that's deeply personal to me, deeply personal. I am someone that actually most of my life, I didn't identify with the phrase or term empath because, and I think a lot of this was me picking up on what I'm talking about today. It always felt like for me, if I was going to identify as an empath, that I was giving my power away. And I always saw empathy and the way that I saw empathy expressed, and this is probably me seeing my own shadow, was people that would be completely subjected to someone else's feelings, emotions, or experiences, which is also more so codependency. 
I would see that happen in the media. And I think there's a codependency now with us in the news and the media, which I can talk about later, but there's so much of the giving the power away and not being able to be enough in our own experiences or our own self-worth as empaths that I felt like I witnessed and I actually didn't see or I wasn't exposed to many empaths that were truly in their power. A lot of what I was exposed to growing up through my 20s was unconsciousness, unconscious people, unconscious experiences. I was one of them. And the way that I saw empaths was being used, abused, manipulated, taken advantage of, disempowered, so many different things. I actually rarely saw empaths in their true fullest expression and embodiment of power and beauty and intuition and all of their gifts. So I was like, you know what? I'm not an empath. And I've always identified more as the rebel. I'm kind of like the rebel vibe. So I was like, okay, I'm I'm not an empath. I'm a rebel. But at my true depth, my true core, my gifts and my experience in my life is as an empath. I started at a very young age, you know, channeling, receiving signs, connecting, all of the things. It actually was very hard for me for a while. And I experienced a lot of depression when I was very, very young. And it was a lot due to my unconscious empathy. I was taking on a lot of emotions and experiences within the home. I was trying to metabolize them myself. I was trying to make my worth around supporting other people's experiences or being the joy for other people, being the energy source for other people. That can oftentimes happen for empaths as well. You can be the energy source for others unconsciously. So I was the energy source. I was taking other energies on. And it was actually causing me to be very, very disempowered, very, very low. And I was just a little depressed being for most of my young life because I was such an unconscious empath. So to counterbalance that, I became a rebel. And I said, no more, no more of this. And I completely put my boundaries up. I didn't know what I was doing, but in high school and college, I was boundaried the F up. And that's when I was in my rebel phase and really just denying the part of me that was the empath, denying the part of me that was the deep feeler. Although it would come up in moments, it would come up very often. It would come up a lot of the times. And it was just such a part of me. So as I've gotten older and really understood more of my unique essence, more of energetics, more of who I am, more of who everyone else is, I've been able to really reclaim the word empath in a way that makes me feel empowered, in a way that makes me feel conscious of the choice to be a deep feeler. Because I have an oceanic heart and a great depth to my feeling. And I've actually been really working on this year being okay with that because it can be scary. I mean, if you're looking at the ocean, how deep the ocean goes, you're like, that is a scary place. What is happening there? And that's how I feel sometimes about my deep oceanic feelings. I'm like, what is happening at the bottom? The Mariana Trench is happening and that is really wild. You should Google it. So understanding that there's this like depth to the empath has always been scary for me. And it has always felt like a place of disempowerment. And so that inner teen, the rebel part of me, really wanted to rewrite that. I would no longer be taken advantage of. I would no longer be the energy source for people. I would no longer be someone that was processing other people's emotions and experiences and energy matching because then who am I? So I became very boundaried. And then my work has been reclaiming that. And my work now has been more so understanding how codependency plays in that and how enmeshment plays in that. I haven't experienced so much enmeshment within my family structure, but I definitely have experienced a lot of codependency in my life and the lives of people that I love. And so I've really had to understand how codependency plays a role in my life so that I can use the power of myself as the empath 
in a way that serves me, in a way that's going to benefit my life and the lives of people around me. A few questions I was noodling on when I was writing about this, but my journey with empathy and codependency was thinking about questions like, when I'm in my low self-worth, does it feel like loyalty? So oftentimes, I would be staying in dysfunctional relationships. This was mostly me when I was younger. And I would stay in them because of loyalty, whether it was friendships or relationships or even within my family. This was actually a deeper level imprinting of my childhood of low self-worth. You know, we've heard about those situations in circumstances where people are staying in uh, relationships where the partner's cheating a lot and the partner's like, you need to stay loyal. They're loyal to me, loyalty. But it's really like not knowing you're worth enough to know you can leave or you deserve better. So oftentimes we can be an empath in a codependent relationship where we can mistake, oh, I need to be loyal. They want me to be loyal, but it's really a low self-worth situation. So loyalty to me is probably like very low on my qualities list. Anyone who knows me knows I'm incredibly loyal, but it's actually something that I need to work on and temper because when, when could my loyalty be putting someone else's needs above my own? When could my loyalty be something out of fear or lack that I'm losing something, that something bad's going to happen? So oftentimes I have to check in with that loyalty for myself on a personal level. There's also the question I've had to ask myself about when am I energy matching for safety? So when am I energy matching for safety? So the experience of energy matching is when you're in a situation with a person and they have their own energetic frequency or their signature, and you as an empath will come in and completely match whatever their energy frequency is. So if they're hype, you're hype. If they're mad, you're mad. If they're sad, you're sad. And this was my whole high school and college. Like I was that friend. If you were going through something, call me because I am right there with you. I will cry with you. I will be whatever energy experience you want me to be. And there's such a service to that. You know, there's such a true and beautiful service to that in some ways, to help people feel less alone, to help them feel supported, to help them feel like they're not the only one that's going through this experience and that you love them enough to be there with them. So there's such a depth and love to that and a truth, but you have to watch how often you're doing that because then there can be times where you become the role of that person who's going to continue to give your power away and prioritize their needs or their issues or their problems over your own, and you will lose yourself in your life. You will then find yourself not living a life that you love, not prioritizing your own joy, your own expression. You will just kind of be the person that's continually riding the waves and surfing all of these emotions and experience for other people, but you will not have those experiences for yourself. And sometimes you'll also come to find that when you're wanting those people that you're energy matching with to do it for you, they don't know how. And that's oftentimes the relationship that you'll be in is you'll be in a situation where two people, either the person doesn't know how to energy match and you're the energy matcher for them, so they feel really good with you or vice versa. There's also the question of when am I taking on other people's energy unconsciously? So when are you taking on other people's energy unconsciously? This happens all the time. This is normal. I think personally, this is my view that it's part of the human experience to take on people's energy unconsciously in a good way and in a bad way. You know, we can be in nature and we are taking on mother nature's energy unconsciously and it feels so good. We can also take it on unconsciously when we're in the ocean, when we're at concerts in a bad way and in a good way. We're taking on 
the vibrational frequency of the space and place that we're in. And we can be mindful of that. We can create good boundaries. We can be thoughtful about the situations and places that we're in. But it really was something that I was doing that was making me exhausted, where I would unconsciously process people's insecurities, emotions, experiences, and I would just be exhausted from it. And I found myself giving away my vital energy, my life force energy to unconsciously taking on other people's energy. And as a podcast host and community leader or business owner, we interact with a lot of different people and a lot of different energies. And I remember as an example, when we had our retreat in Malibu, which was the best, feeling so exhausted because I was taking on other people's energy unconsciously. There was so much energy circulating. There was so much happening within our healing sessions and conversations and presentations and all of the things that in my younger mind, in my unconscious mind, my greatest service is to take on the energy, the hard, the grief, the trauma for other people and process it for them. And there's a real beauty to that. You know, there's a beauty and service to that. But there's also the point where when are you not yourself and when are you losing yourself? And I was like, I had to come back home and be like, yo, girl, you got to let people do their thing. You have to empower people to process on their own, to be in their own energy field, to be in their own energy frequency and empower them to do that rather than unconsciously taking things on because you feel like that's your greatest service because empaths. It's not our greatest service. We have so much more gifts to offer. Also thinking about when are you performing? You know, there's the ego and there's, you know, general performance that we do a lot of times. And I don't think that's bad per se. I think there's multiple facets and aspects to us. And there's such a beauty to the experience in life and waking up and being like, I'm going to go be a boss and then I'm going to be a mom and then I'm going to be a dad and then I'm going to be a sister, brother, then I'm going to be an artist, whatever. There's a beauty to the multidimensional experience that we have, but there can be points and places where we perform and where we will come into a room or space and place and we will read the energy of the room and of the people and we will be like, what do they want me to be? (laughs) That's part of the empathic gift is to be able to intuit what they want us to be, and energy match in a way where we perform what they want us to be. And this is like a really beautiful thing sometimes. You can make people feel super comfortable. You can have a lot of fun with it. You can have a really beautiful experience by being in this vibration of what's expected or or what is needed at the time. But then again, too, when are you being, when are you performing so much you're not being yourself? Or when are you performing so much you don't know the difference between performance and your own energetic signature or your own energetic frequency? I would say I'm a pretty good performer. And it's very subtle. And we all do it. But there are times where I'm in places and spaces where I'm like, damn, I'm kind of hanging with this person. And then I'm hanging with this person. I'm hanging with this person. I'm like saying that thing that I'm saying intuitively that thing that's relating to this person that's completely different than this next person. So there's an intuitive part of that. There's a dynamic element to that. We want to be dynamic people, but then there's also like, who are you and where are you? 
And so with each of these, there's the light and there's the shadow. You know, there's the light, which is get along with a lot of people, you know, have a lot of fun, be creative, be an artist. But then there's also like, where are you? Where is your energy? Are you doing this from a self-worth that is so low that feels like you have to be someone else and that you're not good enough? And I've done both. I've completely done both. So when are you doing things to get validated or get noticed? That is also the question we want to ask empaths who might be borderlining codependency or enmeshment. When are you being in an energy or being sad or being compassionate or being whatever the energy that is needed at the time, when are you doing that to be validated or get noticed? And I have to say, the internet is a great example because the internet will validate you, will share you, will help you get noticed when you are giving your power away. A lot of times when you're giving your energetic power away. So oftentimes because we were taught at a very young age that we needed to take on other people's energies or lose ourselves for other people or understand and really embody the emotions of other people to be validated. I think this happens a lot of times with kids. Or did you have to take the energy on of other people or understand other people's emotions to get noticed within the family? And that was something I very much did. You know, I really had to deeply be in service to the other person and their experience and really like in a very collegiate athlete way, (laughs) understand how to get the attention of this person because without knowing what to say, what to do, how to act, who to be, to get the attention, in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to die. So I need to do that. So at a collegiate level, I was able to figure out how to do that. And now the light and shadow, it's, it was painful. You know, it was so painful as a young kid to not feel like I was worthy of any attention or any awe or wonder or, yeah, like there's a way in which a parent can look at a child or look at the way that I look at my cats <laughs> is with awe and wonder. And as a child, you want that feeling from your parents where you're like, wow, I am a work of art. I am a unique special being on this earth. And I'm here in my own unique expression to experience life and not just be in service to my parents and their emotions and their whatever they're going through. So the light and shadow. So that's the shadow, the pain of it. But the light of it is that it's now my gift. You know, in interviews and in conversations and retreats or speaking, I have a gift of being able to intuit you know, what people are going to say, what they're going to ask. I also have a gift of reading people's energies and understanding where they're at and understanding very precisely what is the next best question or conversation or where can we go with this? And being able to read people in that way is like such a powerful, powerful thing, but it's like, I need to make sure I don't lose myself. And for the empath, so when do you feel your nervous system is dysregulated when you're prioritizing your own needs? So when do you feel like your nervous system is dysregulated when you're prioritizing your own needs? So this would be situations where you know you need to speak your truth, say how you feel, ask for what you want, etc. And you feel incredibly dysregulated and off and scared and like it's impossible to do so. And this is something that can be very, very telling for someone that is an empath that is more so bordering on the line of codependency where 
it does not feel natural or right or okay or safe for you to express your own needs. It is unsafe. It is not okay. You don't even know what those needs are. I have um, someone in my life recently that is in a situation in, in a relationship where they're sort of discovering their codependent behaviors. And in an instance where they are in a relationship and this relationship, this person had disrespected them in a big way, they cannot speak their mind or truth. They simply wait for the person that disrespected them or mistreated them to come to them and tell them how they feel first. And then this person's feelings are then their response is dictated by that initial abuser's thoughts. So the abuser shares the thoughts and then that person will then know how they feel because the abuser has told them how they feel. So they only know how they feel in response to the other person. Because it is dysregulating, it is scary, it is not safe for them themselves to know how they feel and what they want. And oftentimes this is so subconscious. You know, on the conscious level, we're like, I do not want to be abused. Of course. I do not want to be mistreated. Of course. But then there's that subconscious thing that happens where it sort of allows this experience to happen, obviously for your healing. We can also ask the questions, when are you caretaking to focus on others and not focus on yourself? Hello, this is me. You'd be surprised. So I have a podcast, we do our thing, but I'm very much, so much focused on other people. If you're in a room with me or a conversation or a dinner, that it's hard for me to focus at all on myself. And I know this seems weird because there's a video of me, there's this being recorded. I'm able to do it when I'm in my my lonesome because there's no other energies around me, but I would find myself so fully focused on the experience of others and making them feel safe, okay, validated, seen. All the things that I wanted to have in my childhood that I will lose myself. And lastly, so when are you taking on other people's issues and problems to create your own identity? versus being sovereign and choosing when to use your gifts. This is taking on the issues and problems. And this is something that is very, very relevant to the world today and internet culture and the past couple years where there are so many issues and problems that exist in the world that we have access to tapping into on a regular basis. Every time you open your phone or watch the news, you have an opportunity to be in the energetic frequency of those problems and issues that exist? And how often are you using those problems and issues to create your own identity around them? This is where we talk about white saviorism. This is where we talk about virtue signaling. This is where we talk about those words and phrases in our space where it's basically people just kind of like creating their own identity as the saver, as the helper, as the all of these things on trauma, on grief, on sadness, on the issues and problems that exist in the world, that oftentimes the solution does not involve being in the same energy as the problem. And we all know that. You know, we all know that from a high level. And that doesn't mean we don't care. And that doesn't mean we don't do the things. But the identity is then created because they are getting validated as the person that is the white savior, you know, the person that's going to help everything. And then that ego's like, hell yeah, I'm getting validated for this energy matching I'm doing for this issue and problem that exists somewhere I don't even know where is in the world, I'm going to continue doing that. And then the pattern is really created. And this happens versus being in sovereignty and really choosing when 
to use your empathy, when to use your compassion, when to skillfully engage in a situation or conversation that would take a lot of your emotional energy and support. And that is really challenging. There are so many situations that I could just dive right into and just completely lose myself. And it's actually really healthy sometimes to do that. But I know that my deepest service and my deepest work is not to be at protests. You know, as an empath, the sounds, the noises, the people, I can't do it. My service is in what I do and what I work in empowering people to be the most themselves that they can be so that they can choose the best path for them and the best path of service. But oftentimes empaths, unconscious empaths, will take on other people's energy and problems and issues to really create their own identity versus being their own unique expression and being because they felt like as a young kid that they had to do that, to be safe, to be okay, to be worthy, to be validated. And honey, I've been there. I've been there. I've been doing that. Not anymore. So when does empathy get tied to codependency and enmeshment? So enmeshment was actually a word that I really started to understand and discover a few years ago where I would um, sort of see situations within people that I knew and I'd be like, this is different than codependency, but it feels very unique. There's a very unique flavor to it. Enmeshment really is the relationship between two or more people in which personal boundaries are permeable or unclear. So this often happens when two people can feel each other's emotions or there's the expectation that if I'm upset or sad or mad, that you have to be too. And that's what I was often doing when I talked about earlier when I was younger, where it was like, if you're upset, mad, sad, I am too, because I am only safe if we're feeling each other's feelings. So some of what being an empath is actually enmeshment when it is that feeling of really not having good boundaries, being really unclear about where my energy ends, where yours begins, and really having the experience of feeling each other's emotions in a really unhealthy way where you kind of lose yourself. Codependence and people that are codependent, when in a sense, we might all have a little bit of codependency nowadays, which is totally fine, have low self-esteem and really look for anything outside of themselves to feel better. So it's hard for a codependent person to be themselves. And I think it's hard for all of us to be themselves. It's hard for me to always be myself. It's hard for you. I think that's completely normal. And I love that version of myself. I love the Krista that doesn't feel like she can always be herself. But codependents really, really learn that in order to receive love, they have to be really, really hypervigilant of the emotional states of others around us. So this is why codependency was really a term that was used within addiction circles, where if someone is an addict, they are up, down, and they are all around. So to become safe as a child, you really need to know what sort of emotional state your parents are in or your caretaker is in during that time to be safe. So then you become in this brain pattern where that is safe to you, that is normal to you, to be in a state where you're constantly trying to figure out what the person is or the person that you're with, what emotional state they're in at all times. So if you had, say, a really critical perfectionist mother who is she? I don't know her. <laughs> Not me giving personal examples again. So in order to receive her love, you maybe had to appear that everything was good, that everything was perfect, or that you were successful, that you were thin enough, that you were smart enough, that you were blah, blah, blah. 
subconsciously, you're then telling yourself the message like, I'm not worthy to receive love unless I'm thin, unless I'm perfect, unless I get good grades, unless I'm successful, unless I'm dating this person, unless I'm this religion or faith. There's so many different ways in which we can kind of program that into ourselves where we make worthiness around the, I'm not worthy to receive love unless. Mine was, for I mean, so many things, but one of the ones that I've talked to you all about quite a bit was, I am not worthy to receive love unless I am the perfect weight or have the perfect body or I'm thin. And that was ingrained in me from a very young age and, you know, has developed in my life as it has. But really the focus was placed outside of myself and the placed on, you know, my mom to get her approval or my dad to get their approval because as children, love means survival. So at that young age, I was like, oh my God, you're right. In order to survive, I have to be thin. I have to be perfect. I have to be all those things. And when love and external approval really no longer means survival for many of us, it can still feel that way. And our brains and bodies, like we're chemically built to still feel that way. And this is where attachment styles come in. This is where attachment theory comes in, which is really beautiful work. And I would really highly recommend people look into attachment styles. It's something that's profoundly transformed my life and my relationships in the past couple of years. But if we have not healed from our attachments with our parents, if we have an attachment style that's not secure, we can carry the same behaviors in our adult relationships. So for empaths and people that are kind of borderlining empath codependent, it could be an extreme need for approval or validation. You can really be scared of being abandoned or being alone, and you can have a difficulty identifying and verbalizing and understanding your feelings. That was my diary entry. (laughs) Those three things are truly my diary entry. I'm like, what? Especially abandoned or alone, baby. Man, that has been a freaking hard one. But empathy, and I want to just make this really clear when we're talking about this, empathy is different from codependency in that you have a really solid sense of yourself. So with empathy, you're really able to understand another person's emotional state and behavior, but you're not going to take it personally. You're not going to try to fix it or change it you're not also going to take how another person responds to us as an indication of who you are. So you're not going to define who you are by people around us, and you're really able to follow your own unique journey. You're able to be on your unique path. You're able to use your gifts when you want. You're able to be in your sovereignty. And it's really an invitation for those people that are healing from trauma bonding, you know, because codependency and enmeshment are, you know, forms of trauma bonding to really learn empathy for yourself, to really learn to empathize with yourself the most in the form of having healthy boundaries, in the form of understanding energetics and understanding what your capital S self, what your unique defined self, what your unique soul essence is. Because I really think that healthy empathy really doesn't look like absorbing everything in your environment absorbing everything in your home, absorbing everything at work, on the bus, on the subway, without any respect to your own body or nervous system. Again, healthy empathy does not involve, from my perspective, absorbing everything in your environment at work, on the subway, you know, in the bedroom, wherever, without respect to your own body or nervous system. The power of being an empath and being someone that deeply feels because we need these feelers out there really lies in the ability to choose when to use 
the gifts of empathy, when to use the compassion, when to really open up to be in that space of allowing your energy to be felt and and, um, attuned with others. So what has become really, really empowering for me is going through energetic training with many teachers, understanding subtle energies, becoming attuned in Reiki at a master teacher level, and really also in therapy, tons of therapy, tons of other work, but really learning to not unconsciously absorb people's energies, but to be in my own. And that's the gift of the empath. Again, the shadow and the light, the beautiful gift of the empath, the open, warm, loving, deep heart of the empath is so powerful. And I also encourage and want for all empaths to be able to feel and experience your own unique heart and your own unique frequency to really just be able to experience your own essence because that's my deepest call for this is that I want all empaths to be empowered in their gifts and all the beauty that is an empath, but I also want them to be able to understand the unique God imprint that created your unique soul essence and be able to have that be experienced in your life and with other people. To also be able to recognize true empathy, like the true empathy where you're like, ooh, I'm choosing to be in this. I'm choosing to share energy with this person and I'm being sovereign in that choice and I'm choosing to feel and I'm choosing to help them in my feeling. But I'm also not just giving my power away. I'm not doing it because I'm scared, because I need validation, because I'm trauma bonding, because I feel like they won't love me if I don't. I'm doing it from the conscious choice of choosing. And the key with empathy is to really no longer unconsciously absorb other people's feelings. This is also true with social media and the news and music, but that's another one. That's another conversation for later. To really be able to be like, ooh, I just looked at the news and I am feeling a type of way. Okay, I'm noticing myself picking up on feelings and emotions and, you know, things that I'm like, okay, what's happening here? Do I consciously want to choose to go into that expression of feeling and processing and being in that energy or do I not? Is it in my greatest service to be doing that or not? And this is not a thing where I personally feel like that's a point of privilege. I do not personally feel like that's a point of privilege. I feel like we are all in our unique ability to express, to feel, to be. And I want for everyone to not feel like that to be safe. They have to unconsciously absorb the feelings of the collective or the masses or their boss or their parents. I want everyone to be able to feel energetically sovereign because when we're in the sovereignty and then we feel and then we choose to feel such beautiful things happen and i think that's really where we all will be able to be in our unique expression and essence and help the world did you know that the drugs we take to manage period cramps were invented in the 1950s and exclusively tested on men <laughs> what it's literally outrageous that there hasn't been more innovation when it comes to periods. Deloon is changing that with dietitian formulated solutions that relieve our symptoms while actually supporting cycle health. Because our cycles affect every aspect of our wellness, period pain, mood, sleep, skin, metabolism, energy, and 
more. I, I don't know about you, but you know, some, some months I'm like, oh my gosh, like everything has to stop, but it really can't <laughs> because I'm experiencing, you know, really bad cramps or headaches, fatigue, you, bloating, you name it. I've really tried a lot of things. And while I think I've gotten most of my symptoms under control, it doesn't mean they still don't happen and kind of disrupt my flow. So I was really excited to find Deloon and recommend it to a lot of my friends and they have been absolutely loving it. I was talking to a friend the other day that experienced like really, really bad periods, cramps and just all these symptoms. And she was so happy uh, to try Deloon. She's noticed that her symptoms have subsided. They don't last as long. They're not as intense and she can really just be in her life, which is really nice. So Deloon Nutritional Solutions are dietitian formulated to work with your cycle health, not against it. It'll help you all month long while also relieving your cramps and PMS during your period. Deloon creates effective drug-free supplements for period cramps, PMS, and optimal cycle health. So you can get the relief you need naturally, which I'm all about, and start feeling like your best self. So if you want high potency, fast acting supplements for your period cramps, PMS, and really getting your cycle health in its prime top condition, like 92% of their customers report that relief, try Deloon. Leave bad periods behind and start the new year off with 23% off. Go to cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. If Deloon isn't the right match for you, your money back is guaranteed. That's cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. The goal for me is really, really to know what is mine, what is not what is mine, what is not. And this happens multiple times a day. This happens when I'm at the grocery store. This happens when I'm at the house. This happens when I'm walking down the street. This happens when I'm done with a workout class. I was actually at a restaurant yesterday. We had a team lunch and then I went and took a call in another area. And I was sitting right by the server station and there was, and it was by the restroom. There's a lot of people walking by And there was like servers coming in and there was this one server that just seemed kind of down. And honey, I've I've been serving, I was serving for so long. I served for about eight years. So I get it if you have a day when you're serving. And I sat there and I was like, and I was working. I'm like, ooh, I feel depressed. I was like, ooh, I'm feeling depressed right now. I'm really feeling, I'm feeling like, what's the point? And I was like, huh. I know that feeling is true for me a lot of times. But I was like, huh, if this is mine, clear this energy. I am in my own unique expression. I am not taking on anyone else's emotions or feelings. Their emotions and feelings are their own. And did a quick little reshift and felt fine a few minutes later because I had unconsciously picked up on someone else's expression or feeling, whatever they were going through that day. And I almost, and in the past, would have taken that as my own feeling or expression and been like, yep, I'm depressed. What's the point? Who cares? And I'm not saying that I have not been like that before because I definitely in my own expression have felt that way. But in this case, the way that it came on, the situation I was in, I was like, huh, need to check in. Is this mine or is this someone else's? 
And me then taking that other person's energy and emotion on not only prevents them from being in their power to process it on their own and own their own feelings and own their own experience and get themselves out of it, but it also just brings me to that state. And then two people are depressed and wonder what's the point. That's not helping as many people as we subconsciously think it is. And I really, too, had to reclaim or re-understand the word, I feel you, because, oh, honey, I am, I, oh, I feel you. I feel you. And I would literally feel you. <laughs> sounds creepy, sounds gross, but it's happening. And I had to learn, I actually don't say I feel you anymore. I say I hear you because I don't want to affirm that experience with my words, but I really had to be mindful like, okay, what is the energetic, what's happening energetically when I'm with people or when I'm around people? And I also really had to learn how to feel and enjoy my own feelings. Oh my God, uh, she has feelings. This oceanic heart, this Pisces, I have a lot of feelings. And part of my expression, I'm a gene keys, one of my gene keys is 22. 47. Within human design, it's my right angle cross of rulership. The first one is 2247. All that to say, all that, all that to say that my gift is my deep ability to feel for the collective, for my experience, for multitudes of lifetimes, etc. But I deserve it and you deserve it to be in this lifetime and experience and feel your own feelings. That is what we are here for. We are not here to be wishy-washied around by the world and by all these people that want to control your experiences and feelings and your mind and your body and all these things. We deserve to be in our own sovereign experience because then when we die and we're at our life review and we don't, it's like, I think I need to go back because I don't know what the fuck happened. (laughs) I think I need to go back because I think I was just a bunch of other people and processing for a bunch of other people. I want to end my life and say, I was as much as I could in my own energy experience. And I was as much as I could in the impression and frequency that God created me to be. And I learned my boundaries and I learned how to understand subtle energies. And I learned how to come back to myself. And I learned how to regulate my nervous system. Coming back home to yourself is so much of that, especially as the empath. Okay. My dearest empath lovers, my recovering codependents and enmeshment friends, I'm so glad I got to share in this conversation with you something that I've been thinking about, something that I've been experiencing and going through, something that I have my own unique perspective on that I wanted to bring to conversation. I love being able to have these one-on-one chats with you. It means the world. I'm so grateful I have a space and place where I can share my heart and I can really share observations and things that I'm seeing and not be perfect and not be totally right and just see where we're all at because I want for you to be able to be in your sovereignty, to be able to be in your unique expression and to truly love your life. Thank you so much for tuning into Almost 30. You can connect with me at It's Krista. It's I-T-S-K-R-I-S-T-A. And I have a bunch of other solos you can listen to by searching Krista or going to our website, almost30.com. And Lindsay and I both have our solos listed on our website. Yes. And thank you to our sponsors for this episode. As always, just bringing you brands and products that we have vetted and use ourselves and are excited to share with you. 
You can find all discount information in our show notes as well as on almost30.com slash partners. And we will see you every single week for new episodes on Almost 30. Be sure to subscribe. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. We love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.